Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Master of Nothing podcast. It has been a minute since I've done an episode. <laughs> I think we're coming up to about two months now, um, which is not okay. So I do apologize, uh, even though people aren't hanging on the edge of their seats, I'm sure. Um, you know, it's like you commit to something and you ought to do it properly, and I haven't been doing it properly. Um, so I do apologize for that. You know, I think, well, I don't think I know. Um, it's been a combination of reasons. Um, you know, I've got a lot of stuff going on in my personal life at the moment. And um, when that's happening, you know, it's just really hard to sort of put energy into other things and to, and to focus. And like, um, I can get sort of down in the dumps about stuff sometimes, you know. I, I can feel sorry for myself and it takes me a little bit to get over it. Um, you know, it's, it's just the way that I am. Um, not only that, I've got a new job. The hours are a little bit odd. So like, I do 24-hour shifts. So I start at 7 a.m. in the morning and I finish at 7 a.m. the next morning. So it's like do a full sleepover at the place. It's like pretty crazy. So, you know, odd hours of that. Um, and then, you know, to be very honest, I've just lost a little bit of motivation during this whole, you know, COVID-19 isolation thing. Um, unfortunately for me, I'm not like these uh, other social media heroes who are fucking meditating three times a day. Um reading a thousand books, drinking tea, you know, exercising, making weights out of like slabs of concrete and shit. No, that's not me at the moment. So, hey, it is what it is, but I am back. We are back. Um, I'm slowly crawling my way out of this sort of little bit of a lapse that I'm in at the moment, um, a little bit of a rut, which is all good. You know, that happens. It's, um, it's a part of life and you just sort of got to roll with it. Um, you know, fortunately for me, like I is maybe as low as I can be or as, um, you know, unmotivated and I, I've, I've never really feel depressed, you know, not that I know what that feels like because like, I, I've ne I don't think I've ever really had true, true depression. You know, I think I've had moments where I've been really down about things, but it doesn't take me very long to sort of get over that hump and then be okay again. Um, so yeah, there is that. Um, but look, I just, with everything that's going on at the moment, I felt compelled to jump on and do another episode with all the crazy shit that is happening. Um, the last episode I did was kind of, I think it was like a couple weeks into the COVID-19 stuff, right? Like I think couple of places had just set out rules around um, isolating, self-isolating, restrictions were starting to come in, um, and I was kind of just ranting about how crazy that time was, and it seems from that point to now, things have only escalated, and <laughs> the world, it kind of feels like the world is just going insane, which it is, and um, and rightfully so as well at the moment, uh, but it just, it didn't... You know, you just didn't think that things would get any crazier than the COVID-19 point, you know? It was like, that was, I thought that that would be the pinnacle of crazy shit for 2020. But <laughs> I couldn't have been any, you know, more inaccurate about that because since then it's just, it's bananas. I saw an interesting post the other day. It was like, was Kobe Bryant's life the only thing that was holding this world together? Because it seems like since, and I, I shouldn't laugh about it. It's very, it's devastating. But, um, you know, since his tragic incident, it just seems like the world is falling apart. Um, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. Maybe, and, and it, it did kind of feel like, like it, I still don't believe that, that, you know, what happened with Kobe, it's still so crazy and surreal. It's like, you know, maybe that just wasn't meant to happen. You know, the whole butterfly effect thing. You know, maybe him, you know, passing away and, it just created this ripple effect that's just caused, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about, you know. If I <laughs> ignore that last 30 seconds, you know, okay, Kobe's death has nothing to do with this. I'm just saying I saw a funny post and it made me think. Um, but, you know, the main reason for all of this, um, what's going on around the world as far as racism and protests and riots and, you know, people showing, countries showing their solidarity is um, what originally happened, um, you know, the murder of George Floyd. 
uh, in America, which is just devastating. And I know everybody would have obviously knows the full story and all that, and, and, and you probably listen to a lot of podcasts or watched videos that are describing and talking over it, so you're probably sick of hearing about it, but it just, you know, just that video is, it's one of the saddest things that I've seen. Um, oh, sorry about that. Something just happened. I dropped out for a little bit, but I'm back. Um, back to what I was saying. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the video of George Floyd, it's just, it's devastating. It's, it's, it's one of the most horrible things I've ever seen. And, you know, I'm an internet baby, right? I grew up watching ridiculous shit online, you know? It was, it's like when you started, to, when you saw videos online that were just horrific or crazy or gross or just fucked up, you were like, oh, but of course that's on the internet, you know? Um, but the George Floyd thing, I mean, that just, that just hit another nerve. And I, you know, it's, it's just horrible to, that that stuff is still going on, you know? And it's, you know, I'm glad. I am so glad that the charges are getting moved up for those officers because that dude who was on the back of his, you know, on the back of his neck, that's murder. I don't know, I don't know what video other people are watching. I don't know what video other police are watching. People who disagree with it, I don't know what the fuck they are watching. That is murder. You know, if you have four police officers and you've got a man down on the ground with his hands behind his back, there's fucking nothing that you can do if you're that man on the ground. There's absolutely nothing you can do. So for the you know the fact that they stayed on his neck for that long, or he stayed on his neck for that long, um, the fact that the other people around him did absolutely nothing. Um, you know, I hope I hope that dude gets fried in the chair. I hope they throw the book at the other guys um, and really make an example out of them. Because we like the justice system does that; they will make an example out of people, and it's like you should do that with these cops. Um, you know, I don't give a fuck what happened beforehand, what he was doing bad checks or like a fake ten dollar note, whatever it is. Once you've got to that point, all you had to do, all you had to do, was take your knee off the back of his neck. You know, okay, let's exclude the fact that you know he murdered him. Um, and let's just say that he got him down to the ground and he and he had his knee on the back of his neck and then he eventually took it off and, and George Floyd didn't die. Let's just say, right? How did it even get to that point? You know, that would still, that's still ridiculous for it to get to that point. You know, someone's, it's a non-violent crime. Somebody's called up about there being a, a, a forged note or whatever, whatever. And it gets somehow it gets to the point where four police officers are pinning this dude down and being super aggressive. You know, if he didn't kill him, if George Floyd didn't die, that behavior is still bullshit. Um, but he did die, so it's like it's. You know, I don't want to um, harp on about the ins and outs of what happened because I feel like everybody sort of already has a good grasp of that, right? You know. That cop's actions are ridiculous. And if he doesn't have the book thrown at him, oh, you know, if, if he if he gets anything but life or the death penalty, I don't even know if that state has a death penalty. I don't know. But if he gets anything less than what the absolute maximum sentence is, I think that, yeah, you're going to see America's going to go into a, a, a different level of chaos. It already is in chaos, right? It already is in chaos, and it's just gonna, yeah, it's gonna be very interesting to watch things unfold over the next coming months, um, just to see where this trial goes. Um, you know, I imagine it would be, you know, the public will be viewing it sort of like they did, you know, in the '90s with the OJ case. It would just be, I think, this is going to be a very pivotal moment in, in American history and world history. You know, because we, we are all a part of this now because of social media, because, you know, we're able to share information and, you know, if something happens on the other side of the world, we know about it and we're part of it now. Um, I just feel like this is going to be a very pivotal moment. Um, and as a lot of people are saying, you know, this is going to be a pivotal moment in history and you want to be on the right side of it. Um, yeah, so it's, 
It's crazy. Um, you know, the rioting, the protesting. You know, I thought about this and I, I had to think really hard about how I felt about people burning down buildings, looting, rioting. Um, because for me, just naturally, I'm not an anarchist, you know. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to go out and smash windows and burn buildings down and, and do all that sort of crazy shit and, and go looting. But I say that having had a really privileged upbringing, right? I say that having, you know, I'm as a Samoan in New Zealand growing up, I understand that there are, you know, there's a lot of racism in New Zealand. There's a lot of racism in Australia. Um, I guess in New Zealand it's a little bit more covert than it is in other areas of the world. Um, but for the most part, like I saw a lot of our people flourish. For the most part, you know, my family and all that, I've seen them do well and it's like, I've always had like a sense of hope, you know, I've always had this idea that like, I can achieve things, I can do things, um, you know, I don't, you know, there, there aren't that many barriers on me as to what I can achieve, you know, if I put in the, if I put in hard work, if I put in effort, I know that, you know, there's really, it's really limitless as to what you can do and, and I guess that's based off having seen other people, you know, other Pacific Islanders and other people who look like me and people, members from my family do really well for themselves. And, you know, to see the sort of the community, even though, you know, I understand there is racism in New Zealand, I still feel like I've been brought up in a world that is, has given me a lot of opportunities. And I still have those opportunities, right? And I still get them. Um, so I that's the lens that's the lens that I have on when I look at these riots and protests I don't understand what it's like to be an African American growing up in America where the history of your people is, is you know you were slaves you were slaves you were subhuman you were less than human I think it was three-fifths of a human is what the, it, it was written officially um, you know seeing the amount of people, amount of your people incarcerated, killed, the racism, people rioting, wanting to get you out, like, that's just so insane. And then seeing, you know, the brutality of police officers and then time and time again having trials where nothing comes of it, there is no justice. Like, I don't know what kind of fire that lights in the inside of you and, and, and the kind of anger that you would have against the system. So sure, I can sit back here and be like, look, I'm not an anarchist and I wouldn't do that sort of stuff. But I don't know if I wouldn't do that sort of stuff had I grown up in that situation, you know? I get pissed off when I, when I, when I see racism, when I see small acts of it, when I see it in the workplace, when I, when I hear it, when I, I mean, just the stuff with, with fucking Aaron Molan um, here in Australia with, with the NRL, even that, that drives me insane. It's like, I get a little bit angry about that and it's so it's so small in comparison to what is going on over in America and has been for you know a lifetime over there. So it's like you know anybody who's saying that they wouldn't do that sort of stuff just understand the sort of lens that you have on and you've had on your whole life for you to come to that conclusion, you know? Um when you're when you're trapped in these neighborhoods that some of these people are over in America, and you see what you see in the news, and you don't see anybody getting any opportunities, you only see your people being killed, and it comes from a history and a past of you being slaves. And then, I mean, if you've watched the Thirteenth, you understand how that system of slavery was just transferred throughout time, and it's just like I don't know what kind of fire that lights. But it seems like people are starting to express that now. And it's it's crazy. It's crazy over there. Um, you know, I think it's important as well as distinguishing what kind of people are out there doing these protests. You know, there's different types of people. You have the anarchists who just want to see things burn based off the fact that what has happened to them and, you know, the, the injustice that there is over there. Then you have the peaceful protesters and they're the people who, um, you know, I guess are taking a leaf out of the you know MLK booklet and and what is it the Obama says when they go low you go higher you know 
trying to be the bigger people, you know, trying to have a, a peaceful protest, which that makes all the sense to me, you know, because you can see how beautiful a, a peaceful protest is. And then you have the opportunists. Then you have the people who are just going out there to get into fights, to fight police, to steal, to loot. And, and those people, they have hatred in them, you know. They're not there because they want, they're not there because they feel a sense of love or or feel like they owe something to the cause. You can see in those videos that those people are, th are there to destroy shit. Nothing else. So it's um and that's the that's the powerful thing with social media is that thankfully we can distinguish those people because I don't know if you've seen um you know if, if people haven't seen they should see uh, LA ninety two which is a documentary about the ninety um, Los Angeles nineteen ninety two riots that occurred around the sort of the Rodney King era oh sorry Rodney King incident um and. Although there is a lot of footage, although there is a lot of footage, you didn't. Get, it wasn't as much as there is today to be able to really distinguish the difference in people who were at those, you know, who were in those riots. Um, whereas today, you know, thankfully, because of the thousands of mobile phones that are everywhere, um, it's very obvious. It's very obvious the the different people who are out there protesting. Um, you know, in saying that, in saying that. I still do support the police, which, you know, it's, you know, I've, I've got a, a cousin who is a police officer. Um, I've had really good experiences with police. I think I had one, there was this one time <laughs> where I, um, I pulled into a petrol station. I got out, I filled my car up and um, I walked in and I paid it. This police officer was sitting in his car um, next to one of the pumps that were next to me. And then once I jumped back in my car, he came up to me and he goes, look, can I see your license? I just saw you walking over there and you looked a little bit suspicious. I was like, what? What do you mean I looked suspicious? And it's like I was coming back from work. At the time, I was working at a juvie um, in New Zealand. And, you know, I was that douchebag that would wear like a black polo. Like I would, <laughs> I would wear like a collared black polo to look, I guess, to look more official because we didn't have uniforms, you know? So I like, I liked being that dickhead. Um, so like, I was like, I wasn't looking, you know, I wasn't looking like a troublemaker or anything. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have you know, any gang colors on or any shit like that, you know? So I'm, I was unsure about what it was that was suspicious about me. Um, you know, I looked like the, I, presentable and, uh, then I had to think about it and I was like, oh yeah, I think, <laughs> I think I know what was uh, suspicious about me. But the funny thing about that was is that I wasn't on my full license. So <laughs> it was I wasn't on my full license and it was past 10 o'clock, which for people who don't know in New Zealand, if you're on your restricted, which is kind of like your P plates here in Australia, um, you're not allowed to drive after 10 o'clock. I think it was 10. Um, it was like 10.30. And uh, so, I mean, I don't know if that guy, if that police officer was able to tell that um, from me walking in and paying, but... Apparently there was something suspicious. Um, and as much as I thought that that was, you know, I thought that was pretty racist. I thought that he maybe would have profiled me and been like, you know, I I didn't want to have that lens on, you know. I didn't want to look at it like that. And, and because I got, you know, a ticket for being outside the curfew, I guess it kind of justified um, him pulling me over, you know. So, hey, maybe he... Uh, Maybe he wasn't race, you know, racially profiling me and he's just got an impeccable eye for people who are on the restricted. <laughs> who am I kidding? There was, it has to be because I was someone, you know? It had, like, I can't, like, what was suspicious? That's a real funny word, you know? Like, you looked, well, sorry, a funny phrase. You looked suspicious. It's like, you, I would I would have liked, I should have, you know, I should have asked what looked suspicious about me. What is it? Is it my work clothing? Is it my... Yeah, it's just... I don't know. Who knows what it is? Who knows? Who knows? Um, but, you know, it, I, I didn't... I kind of looked stoned or I kind of looked drunk or, or you know, intoxicated in any way because he didn't breathalyze me or he didn't do anything like that. Um, but, hey. You know, so... 
Oh my gosh, I, love, I forgot where I was going with this. Police, yes. Um, so that was kind of like just one incident. But other than that, I've had really positive interactions with police officers. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I do want to become one. I, I really think that, that being a police officer is a good job. And, and that kind of came when I, from my time working at the juvie. Um, you know, I spent a couple of years working in the juvie. And then from that, I was like, you know, I would really love to become a police officer. I think that would be a good job and a, um, and a good career and something that I would really enjoy doing. And it, but this shit makes me kind of not want to be one, you know? All these videos coming out. I mean, these videos here in Sydney coming out. I'm mean, sorry, in Australia of, you know, police just being excessive. And I know it's different. Although there are videos coming out in Australia of police being excessive. It's different in New Zealand and in Australia than it is in America. But um, but it's still, you know, it's like America has such a big influence on the culture here in Australia and in New Zealand. It's like, I don't know, just the mentality that people sort of have towards police officers and just all that. It's just, you know, it, I don't know. Um, it, it is still something that I aspire to be. But... Um, there are some dickheads, right? There's some rotten eggs in, in, in the bunch. And I think recently a video came out, I think it's recent, um, of an incident here in Surrey Hills, here in Sydney. Uh, this police officer's like talking to these young teenagers. I think they wouldn't be any older than 16 or 15. Um, and this kid said something. It's, it's pretty like, you can't really make out what he's saying, but he must have... It said that he made a threat towards the police officer. Um, the police officer walks over to him. The kid immediately turns around and puts his hands behind his back. Right? The police officer grabs his hands and then sweeps his feet from underneath him with his foot, like kicking him. So he kicks his feet from underneath him and the kid slams on his face. And this is like a 16-year-old kid. I think, I'm pretty sure he was Aboriginal. And it's like, this kid was skinny as. Like, it was... There was no way that the, the force was proportionate. And people are like, oh, well, that's what you get for being a smartass. And it's like, really? Is that what you should get for being just a smartass? Like, if the kid's 16, all right? Yeah, yeah, he shouldn't be a smartass to police officers, sure. You shouldn't be um, using threats of violence, because that's against the law. You shouldn't be saying shit like that. But it's also on the police officer to rise above that, you know, to, to be bigger than that situation. And not stoop to the level of just trying to hurt the kid. And, you know, there's this unfortunate thing about police officers, right? There's, there's, what kind of training can you do to tell people to get rid of their ego and to, and to leave the ego at the door? Because it just seems like there's so many police officers who are just, uh, the ego on them is insane. You know, I, my, work experience is in youth work and, I, and I, I know it's completely different I work with challenging kids with um, really challenging behaviours and who have violent outbursts and we have to try and de-escalate that situation and I understand it's completely different if you're a police officer right we don't have um, the same job but I guess there are some similarities and I think one of them is like sometimes your presence as a youth worker you know as being the authority figure um, in whatever establishment you're working in, sometimes that is enough to incite anger in a young person, okay? Or to to incite, you know, to escalate their behavior and to make them more upset and more angry and more violent. And sometimes if you just take a step back, if you just remove yourself, if you become, if you become the triggering point for them, if you just remove yourself, sometimes you just see everything die down a little bit. You know, you just see everything just sort of, it, it, it just sort of de-escalates on its own. And I noticed that in the, when I worked at the juvie, especially with young young males, young boys, if they were surrounded by these big men that were, you know, authority figures, it would, it kind of, they would see it as like a bit of a challenge and they would, it would just, everything would just kind of elevate. And it's like, there were many times where it was like, men would just step aside, a female would come in, female worker would come in and then you would just see the 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 anger the energy be taken out of the young person and it just de-escalated everything and i think to myself i wonder if police have that you know is that something that they could do right like is maybe just removing yourself would that stop the incident 
obviously if they're committing a crime or they're doing something that they really shouldn't be doing yeah for sure do your jobs boots the asses i don't care but like if it's just a kid being a smart ass you know if that's all it is if a kid's being a smart ass if he just walked away i don't know what is is that i wonder if police are able to do that it would be interesting to have a conversation with them and to be like can you just walk away and watch something from afar you know because i was thinking pack of teenagers unless they're doing something absolutely egregious right teenagers are just smart asses yeah they shouldn't be but they're teenagers you know they're cop in surrey hills what like would it would have it had hurt if they if he just walked off if they just left like they could look please out of trouble we don't have to come back here if we come back here again yada 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 kids say something fuck off your pig or fuck you whatever you know just ignore it walk away and watch from afar i wonder if you know i don't know can police officers do that i'm not sure look i understand i understand that the difference between youth work and, and being a police officer is very very different but i mean all these incidents that are, are happening you can just you can see the ego all the police brutality the the not willing to back down not willing to leave and you can just see it man you can see it and it's uh it's killing people it's killing people and it's really sad um but yeah i think in america at the moment they're sort of protesting around wanting to defund the police it's like that's that's really the last thing you want to do you know you don't want to take more money out of there to you know that's not going to make the quality of policing any better you know you don't, you don't want to live in anarchy you don't want to because then it's like who are the most powerful people once authority figures go well it ends up being criminals <laughs> and if you thought like the country being run by shitty police was bad imagine the country being run by like proper gangsters so it's like you you don't want to defund police officers you don't want complete anarchy and complete chaos you just want whatever funding that they do have to be focused in on the right shit you want to focus that on on the areas that that need to be um it obviously it's training it's training around restraint training you know, the use of force um the de-escalation skills like all that sort of stuff that needs to be you know yeah you need to have more training and maybe it means that you need to have a bit more of a or a much harder um police academy police academy has to be a lot harder um, there needs to be more hoops that people are going to jump through, but in the end return, maybe they get paid more. Maybe they get paid more, right? Um, make it harder for them to get into, make it uh, more lucrative for them to want to complete and want to do. So when they come out the other side, and then just having like regular compliance tests, you know, um, making sure that that stuff is drilled into them. But look, I don't know. That's just me tossing up some ideas i really don't know what the culture is like within police officers in particular in america who knows what it's like you know it might you know it might need a complete overhaul um i don't know if anybody in new zealand or australia on this side of the world have watched um the underbelly the golden mile and just seen how corrupt police officers used to be so it's an underbelly about um about King's Cross, about Sydney, and, and just all the sort of like the, the the drug wars that were going on. I think it was in like the 80s or 90s maybe. I think the 90s. Um, or the 80s. I think it was the 80s. And just how corrupt police were. And, and what it took was it took this huge court case and um, sort of this, I don't know what they call them, internal, internal affairs or whatever. Or um, it was just sort of like this, board that monitored the police i forget um commissioners i don't know what it is whatever the fuck ever and um it required there to be a huge overhaul of the police here in sydney and um and it, just to try to eradicate the kind of culture that it, it, it had created um so you know who knows maybe that's maybe that's the direction they're going in and maybe that's what they need um but you know, it's really awesome to see the support that America's been getting from around the world. You know, there have been protests in New Zealand, there's been protests here in Australia, there's been protests all over the world, and it's, 
that's what I mean before when I was saying, you know, when something happens in the world, it happens, we, we all are there f- to witness it, you know? And I think, I think a part of everybody behind this is one, obviously we, everybody disagrees with what we saw in that video of George Floyd being murdered. And so many people disagree with racism and the bullshit that goes on in countries. And we, I think it's everybody just, you know, the world showing their solidarity and how much they support, you know, equality and people to, to, to live in harmony. And, but I also think it's a flow on effect of, you know, of the world community that we kind of felt during the coronavirus. And although we all experienced different levels of it, you know, it was different in every country. Um, and people had different hardships from losing their jobs to, you know, being isolated. It was still, it was still cool to chuck on YouTube and watch, you know, podcasts from America and from other parts of the world. And they're talking about stuff that we're all going through. You know, we're all experiencing the same thing, but on different levels, you know? And I just thought, you know, the coronavirus is horrific as it is, is whatever your views on it are, if you think it's from the fucking 5G towers, whatever. <laughs> it, I do think it's made a bit, it's brought the world together, you know, where we had a common enemy. Um, and that's flowed on. And the stuff that's happened with George Floyd. Um, and now we also have a common enemy, which is racism. And it's um, it's awesome to see around the world. It really is awesome to see. Uh, I think, oh man, the, like I'm currently living in Sydney, so I, I got to watch the videos of the protests in Auckland, I think it was. Um, and it just made me so proud to be a New Zealander. You know, it's, oh my gosh, I'm getting emotional now thinking about it. Um, just the videos of everyone singing to Tupac, um, the song Changes, that was powerful as Israel Adesanya, who, um, you know, spoke up and just seeing his raw emotion, you know, that's like a, that dude's like 6'4", he's heavy, like, sorry, not heavy, he's champion of the world, I think he wasn't lightweight, he's champion of the world, um, and just to see him overcome with emotions, you know, that's like a, that's a tough dude, you know, he's a world champion in, in mixed martial arts, and just to see how much he was affected by that, and then just to watch people doing the haka and there's something about the haka that every time I see it, like, I just, I feel this, like, little lump in my throat, you know? It's it's hard to watch that and to not feel emotion because you know where it's coming from when you see it done. And when you see it done properly, um, I'm not saying I'm an expert at hakas or, you know, Maori culture, but I think I'm New Zealander enough to know um, when people are doing the haka with their heart, you know, when they're really putting their heart into it. And, um... getting a little bit emotional i just i just love new zealand so much and it's just awesome to see our country we get behind that and and yeah it's um it's awesome to see and there's something about seeing the haka and seeing it live seeing it on tv wherever i see it it's just always a reminder of how beautiful our country is and how beautiful the Maori culture is and just how much meaning there is behind huckers and, and you can see the raw emotion in people's faces, man. And um, it was beautiful. It was really beautiful to see um, in New Zealand. And then here in Australia, obviously all the issues that happen in Australia around Aboriginal people, um, you know, Australia's Indigenous and likewise with, in New Zealand um, with the Maori people, you know, our Indigenous, different situations similar struggles but different situations um you know it's just awesome to see people rallying um and getting together and one showing their support to the black lives matter um cause in america and supporting you know the george floyd's family but also standing up for the injustices that are here in australia and in new zealand and um it was awesome um Although we are not America here in Australia, and we are not America in my home country of New Zealand, racism still exists, okay? And here in Australia, it's not that hard to figure out. I mean, the likes of Adam Good and 
you know, the Aboriginal people and just the incident, the the incidents, the injustice that have been going on for years. Um, and in New Zealand, um, you know, the um, with Maori people and the Treaty of Waitangi and the injustices that have occurred there, and then sort of the systemic racism that still exists because of what has happened in the past. Um, it's still very much alive and well. You know, it's New Zealand, I think it's a little bit more covert, you know. Um, it's a little bit more undercovers. It's kind of like, I'm not racist, but, you know, haven't you Māori fellas had enough? You know, what, what more do you want? And I think that might be the most frustrating thing for me to hear um, an argument that people use. Like, it's always like, you know, that happened a long time ago. You guys should be able to get over it. Let's move on. Let's move forward. Let's be progressive. You know, we're all in this together. And it's like, I don't, when people say shit like that, I don't actually think they understand what the fuck they're talking about. You know, Australia, it was almost a genocide. They were taking people from Aboriginal families and integrating them into a white culture, into an Australian European culture, and then slowly trying to breed them out. By making them have, you know, obviously have um, having kids with, with white Australians. All right. They took their culture away from them. They were killing them. They didn't consider them humans. I don't think they considered them humans until the 70s. That shit's crazy. The 70s? <laughs> what the fuck? Like, to not be considered a human in your home country... And so, you know, that what happened in Australia has, you know, the flow-on effect. People don't understand the flow-on effect. Um, and in New Zealand, you know, at one point, it was illegal to speak Māori. It was illegal to speak Māori. And they started, you would go to school, you had to speak English. You couldn't speak Māori. So again, people have come into your home country, they've taken away your culture, they've set up their own culture, and they've gone, you actually can't speak your own language inside your own country you have to speak our language so people don't actually i don't think people comprehend how fucked up that is and what kind of effect that has on people you know you got to think about it think of it if it was to happen today if it was to happen today let's say the chinese come in right the chinese come into new zealand come into australia they take over it's uh it's it's not completely impossible for that to happen <laughs> Let's be real honest, okay? So they come over to Australia, they come over to New Zealand, they take over. They then go to all the high schools, all the workplaces, and they go, from now on, you cannot speak English. You cannot speak any other language other than Chinese. All right? And so all right, everyone's like, well, what the fuck? But you can't do anything, right? Because they are the main culture now in this country. All right? The Chinese take over. Um... So who are going to get the best scores in school? Who are going to excel in school and in the workplace? The Chinese people. Okay, so who's going to go on to get higher education and do really well and excel in that? Who are the people who are going to go from, you know, um, go into higher management in their workplaces? Chinese people. Okay, so who are the people who are going to go on to, you know, universities and, and then end up having the, the really high-paying jobs, become the politicians, become the lawyers, become the bankers, become the people who effectively run the system? It's going to be the Chinese people. Why? Because they have such a head start because you've prioritized, they have prioritized their language. They've gone, no, Chinese is the only language that we speak here. Okay, so what does that do for everyday Australians and New Zealanders who can't speak Chinese? Well, they have poorer, poorer education. They, do, they don't do as well in the schools. They don't do as well in the, in the workplace. They don't excel. They don't become you know, members of... They don't get into higher management. They don't have the same opportunities because they don't have as good of an education. Their culture isn't respected because everything is Chinese. Everywhere you look, the way that they have dinner, the way that they... It's like it's hard for me to walk into a place and to be able to sit down and and know how to conduct myself in front of higher management who are all Chinese because I'm not used to that culture. I'm used to the way that I've been living my life, which is a New Zealander and living in Australia. So what the fuck? I'm, I'm probably not going to do as well. Okay, so let's say that happens for 10 years. Let's say that that happens for 10 years. That happens for a decade. 
Now you've got a decade of of people who have had a poorer education, people who are unable to go to university, people who are unable to excel in the workplace. What kind of effect does that have on a culture? You know, what kind of effect does that have? We don't, like, how long does that then take to recover from that? Okay, so now, because the Chinese have come in and done all this, I've now got, like, generations of my family who are poorly educated, who have struggled in the workplace, who don't feel like they're a part of society, who have, who are disenfranchised because of all of the sort of, all, all of the stuff that the Chinese people have done. You know, how do you recover from that? What do you do for a culture that makes them get out of their rut? Oh, oh, you've given them some benefits. Okay, so you've set up some benefit schemes now. Oh, you've you've given them a, a scholarship to universities. Sweet. Oh, you've given them some, a, a sports scholarship. You've made a sports scholarship just for just for Maori people, just for Aboriginal people. Oh, that should be enough. You know, that's the issue with people who are like, you've got enough now, they've got enough opportunities to make it, let's move on. It's like, you, like, how do you quantify, how do you, how do you come up with a number, how do you quantify the effects that, of, that, that has had on a culture, on the mentality? Let's, and, and I'm just using Māori um, and Aboriginal as an example because I feel like they're on the more extreme end. You know, the, of course Pacific Islanders experienced those challenges as well but in this example i'm just using the indigenous of australia and new zealand so what like what how do you quantify that how do you come up with a number and be like okay we've now pages back so now it's time to move forward and how do you know that that's been achieved well it doesn't take long to figure that out here in australia you turn the tv on you turn anything on you listen to any sort of radio you listen to everything everywhere you go it's it, it's a representation of a white Australia. It really is a European Australia. So I I don't, you know, in New Zealand as well. As much as like we in New Zealand like to be like, oh, we sang the Maori national anthem at school as well. Well, we do both. We have the. It's like, okay, so have you been able to quantify the uh, what has happened to Maori people? You've, so you've been able to quantify that and you now think that that is enough? That what you've done is enough? Because we don't know how long it takes for a culture to heal. We have no idea because we're still in that healing phase. So when people say, oh, uh, you know, I don't know what they're carrying on here in, in Australia or in New Zealand. You know, we're not America. We don't have, you know, we should just be moving on. You guys have got all these opportunities and yada, yada. You weren't slaves. And it's like, fuck, dude, that's so, so ignorant. It's so unbelievably ignorant. And, you know, if anybody wants to question about what systemic racism is, use use that example of the Chinese people just to give them an idea of what it would be like if that was to happen to them today. Because that happened at one point. And today it's different, right? We have means to speak out. We would be able to combat that pretty quickly. But back then people didn't. People didn't have, you know, it was numbers was power. That was it. You could get away with way, like the horrific shit that you could get away with back in the day was just insane. So, you know, that's, my, God, my goodness, I'm getting a little bit carried away here, but I'm getting angry, but it's just the, the, when people say shit like that, and it's like, you haven't even taken the time to think about it. And part of it is, I think, I think white people feel like they're being persecuted you know they feel like they're under the spotlight like they're being made to feel guilty you know that white guilt and it's like it, it, it's not about feeling guilty it's not about you are the bad guy or you are this or that it's, it's about recognizing and understanding what the fuck you're saying when you say it if you don't know what the fuck you're saying you shouldn't say anything you should ask questions right if you haven't thought about something in depth why are you so certain about these answers? I mean, you see these, you see these these Karens and these Kevins with like it's like how people have spent lifetimes, you know, their whole lives thinking about the injustices that people do to them, and people have 
committed to their people and to their culture and stuff like that. You have probably thought about it for, you know, all of a year. You know, let's say that you put in a year of thinking about it. And you're going to come out so confident and say that, yeah, no, I don't know what the issue was in New Zealand. People should be happy with the opportunities they have. Oh, I don't know what the issue was here in Australia. It's just insane. It's insane. You know, I I feel like I'm on the right side of this, right? I feel like my perspective is like, it, it, I have a good perspective on the racial issues that we have in our countries. Um, but even then, I'm, I, I am more, I lean more towards listening when I'm talking about it with people who I know know what they're talking about. And that's what we should all do. And that's what most people should do. It's just listen. You just have to listen to people. And, and don't feel like you're being attacked. It's just, you know. And I, I have a bit of guilt. I have a bit of guilt because I've, I've had an extremely privileged upbringing. Anybody who knows me well knows that like, my life has been very good. I've had an extremely supportive family. I've, um, you know, everywhere I've gone, I've been really surrounded by good people. I've gone to a good school. Um, you know, I've, I've always had good people around me. And so I, to a certain degree, I feel guilty. I feel guilty that it's taken me this long to, to do an episode on an issue like this. I feel guilty that I haven't been more verbal. I haven't, I, I haven't, contributed more like right there's you know putting your money back into your community put like supporting pacific islander businesses and and you know aboriginal businesses and helping community out donating money like all that sort of stuff i feel like i haven't done enough and i feel that guilt and um but at the same time it's like i you know you don't become defensive because of it don't become defensive you know just listen more and be open. Um, but it's it's a it's a it's a weird time because what I've started to see is people are starting to judge the way other people are trying to support the cause, and people are uh, it's like really like we just got to a point where we have we have the same enemy right, and and by enemy I mean not the you know, like but like the enemy is racism right. We don't want that. And still people are looking for reasons to fight with each other about like, oh, you just, is, is all you did put up a black square? Or let's just, white people, you should be quiet. Make sure you elevate the voice. Like, it's like support is support. Yes, some people are going to be a little empty in how they back this cause. But it's like the more numbers, the better. You want more people out there. You know, you don't want people to feel shame because they didn't know how to support the cause properly. And I guess there's a difference, right? I mean, we've seen those videos. There's been videos circling around of like uh, <laughs> influencers going out and getting videos of them cleaning up the, like they'll just pose to make it look like they're cleaning up the riots and the graffiti and all that. And then they, you know, they're just taking a photo and people making the cause more about them. I mean, I know a young Pacific Island male who's, you know, he's gone on social media and done a big rant. He's had a big incident at this, like, and making it more about himself than the cause, you know. People like that are gross. People like that are gross, you know. And it's like people, you know, it's the it's a it's an interesting time because you can profit off something without making any money. And what I mean is like the recognition, the 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 social clout that you get from, you know, putting up a photo of you and your Aboriginal flag at the protest and stuff like that. You do get something back from that. People think it's like, oh, you know, I don't get anything in return. It's like, no, you do. You know what you're getting back in return. Um, but it's it's more so like the people who are doing that real gross shit, right? The people who are doing that real gross shit, but are still showing support. It's like, yeah, okay. A couple of people are fucked up, right? They're not doing it the way the perfect way to do it, the way the, you know, the Black Lives Matter organization said, or the way that, um, you know, activists in New Zealand and Australia, they say you should, should do it, but don't, don't, don't get judgy on them and start making them feel bad about it and being like, hey, we would rather, rather not have your voice. It's like, come on, man, you know, all support is good. Maybe steer them in the right direction. Don't just judge them. Don't just say, oh, how pathetic. People don't know where to start. Maybe this is some people's first step. 
you know that's where the that's where they lose me right like the the judging people people some people are just trying some people don't know how to help they're just giving it a crack they're like fuck man i want to you know i disagree with what i saw with george floyd i disagree with the shit in new zealand and the shit in australia i want to be part of this i'm going to put up this little black square or i'm going to share this post i'm going to go to this rally hold up the sign even if there is nothing else behind it that's still a start and you should water that flower dude not water it not you know ay, 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 ay. and i think um it was a very bad time for Aaron Molan to say a hookah, muka, luka, fuka. Aaron Molan, come on, man. Um, yeah, just just an idiot, just a real fucking idiot. <laughs> and I'm not obviously I'm not laughing about what she did because it's serious, you know. Don't be disrespectful like that. I'm just laughing at how stupid she is. How stupid she is. Um, it's a it's a dumb thing to say, and then the doubling down. Oh my gosh! When people double down on something, it's it's like whoa. <laughs> it's like, are you really gonna go that hard in the paint about your point? Like, you know, show a little bit of humility. Um, yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. Look. My last name is Tawamiti, and people have been getting that wrong forever, forever. You know, whenever I purchase something and they say, oh, would you like to be a member of this? Yeah, I'll just take down your details. They'll go, what's your first name? First name's Elijah. Not that hard to figure out. Some fucking idiots have spelled it with a G before, which is like, what? Some Somebody once thought I said my name was Nigel. Elijah Nigel. It's like, figure it out. Um, but then when they ask me to spell my last name, I don't even say it first. I don't pronounce it. I just go T-A-U-A-M-I-T-I. Um, just because people get it wrong so much. And to be honest, it does fucking bother me. It really does fucking bother me. Um, it's funny. I spoke to a real estate agent the other day and she goes, she goes, oh, Elijah something. Um she goes, oh, your email address is Elijah.something at yada yada. Um, and I laughed. I go, yeah, it's Elijah. It's Elijah.something. And um, she goes, oh, sorry about that. So that was before the Aaron Molan stuff. So she's, <laughs> I've spoken to her since, um, after the Aaron Molan thing, and she actually took the time out to give, to apologize to me. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's quite funny. And you know what? Good on her, because she's made a mistake, right? She made a mistake, she's come back, she apologized to me. Um, I wasn't too affected by it. It was just like, you know, don't say something. But like, Aaron Mullen to double down? Look, all you have to do is ask how to pronounce something. That's fucking it. Ask how to pronounce it and make an effort. That's all people are asking. You know, I don't think, no, that's not true. I have had people ask me how to pronounce my name. You know, it's, um, just ask, just ask. That's the, the, the polite thing to do. You know, those weird, like Gaelic names where it's like, um, it's like Siobhan, but it's like spelled with a B and an H and an O and it's like really fucking weird. It's like, yeah, I would ask, I wouldn't go, uh, Siobhan. No, I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't attempt to say it like that. I would go, how do you pronounce that? That's crazy. And then pronounce it the right way. It's not hard to do. Um, and, you know, I saw a really good example. It was like European, you know, the European soccer competitions, like the, because it's such on such a huge world scale, you got people from all different walks of life, like all over the world. So you have crazy names you've got to learn to pronounce. And those commentators get them right every time. Apparently they're like really like amazing at it. They learn how to pronounce all the names properly. And, um, and it's like, yeah, that's, all you got to do is practice and learn. You know what was really interesting? I went to, um, I went to a graduation. I went to a graduation one time in Christchurch, and Christchurch is a very multi- multicultural city. There's lots of people, and so they had all different ethnicities that were graduating, and they had one guy at the front who would call out all the names, and he got, he was bang on with every name. You know, he like he, you could hear. 
even though I don't know exactly how you would pronounce certain Asian names or different cultures, you know, different nationality names, but you could hear it, that it was like something that he had practiced. He didn't struggle. He didn't struggle with any of them. Um, so I don't know, even if he just wrote sort of um, a, an easier way for him to understand the pronunciation next to it, it's like that dude made an effort. There was like, I think there was like hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of different names. He gets them all right. It's like, okay, you're an NRL commentator. You are some, uh, you know, in the public. You're a news presenter. These are all the same names, right? There's 16 teams. Is there 16 teams? These are starting 13 with maybe an extra five on the bench. Those are all the names you've got to figure out. And they're all like household names. Most of them are household names. So it's like, figure it out. A hookah, muka, luka, fuka. That's not good enough. That is not good enough. Um, so Aaron Molan, fucking pull your head in. You know, and, and, and people are, are, are wanting to cancel her. And to be honest, I don't like the cancel culture, right? That's not something that I like. It's like people can make mistakes, all right? If they own up to it and they go, look, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Give me some guidance. Show me, walk me through how I'm meant to do it so I know for next time. But that's not what she did. No. She goes, get over it. She goes, it's a joke. It's like, yeah, not to you. So don't, you know, so she's doubled down. <laughs> she's she's doubled down on her position. She's not budging. She won't apologize. She thinks we're the ones with the issue. Because that's what you're saying, right? When you're saying people should get over something, you're saying, I'm not the one with the issue. You're the one with the issue. Yeah, I made fun of the pronunciation of Pacific Islander names, but you're the one with the issue. You're too sensitive. (laughs) When you do that, it's like, all right, maybe you need to be fucking cancelled because, one, you're not a good representation of that company, of that business. I really think the NRL is making a a really solid effort to um, highlight um, the different cultures within their sport. I really do believe that. And all you got to do is look at the recent um, NRL ads. And I mean, let's not get started on how much that stirred the pot here over in Australia. Um, But like they really are highlighting like the um, Tongan players and the Aboriginal players and the New Zealand players. And they're, you know, they got the Aboriginal flag and all that. And they're showing, they're showing that they care, you know, like that's, that's the NRL that I see. I, I do believe that from the NRL. But then you've got some people in the organization who aren't, don't represent that. And unfortunately, Erin Molan's one of them. Um, she, like how can you possibly do that when the majority of the players in the NRL are Pacific Islanders? It's like, figure it out. Don't say shit like that. Um, but yeah, look, if she gets canceled, you had an opportunity. You had an opportunity to apologize, but you fucking didn't. You doubled down. And people are just like, nah, not having it. Not having it at all. Um, but yeah, it's very it's very interesting times. It's very interesting times. And uh, I mentioned it before, and you've probably seen it all over you know, social media. We are at a pivotal point. I do believe that this is going to be a moment in history where people look back and they go, what side were you on? What were you doing? And you don't want to be on the wrong side of this and you don't want to have been doing nothing. You know? Um, but it's crazy. You know, where to from here? I, like, I've come, I'm, I'm here ranting and carrying on, but like, what is the solution? Where do you go from here? I really don't know. I really, really don't know. I think it's hard to say what... Like, how, it's hard to say, what. how do we fix racism? Because, one, I've never looked at, I've never had that kind of hatred in my heart. I wasn't raised that way. To, to look at somebody and to hate them. Or, or to think less of them, based on the color of their skin. Based on something that's out of their control. I just, I don't have that kind of hatred in my heart. I can't do that. So, what does it take to do that? I'm not entirely sure. You know, um, but... There's a couple examples, and um, there's a couple examples, and one really, really good example is a, a podcast that I watched with Joe Rogan, and I think his name was Daryl Davis. Um, I'll just type it. Look, I'm gonna have to type this in. Daryl Davis. <laughs> 
unfortunately i don't have a um someone else here i don't have a nerd like joe rogan has jamie who just types it in yes okay it's daryl davis so um daryl davis he had a podcast with joe rogan and he's an african-american um activist he's a musician but he's also an activist and he went on joe rogan's podcast and said that he had converted more than 200 members of the kkk and people who are part of white supremacy groups and by converted he has changed their mind on their stance about racism um and for some of them has even got them to hand in like um their uh kkk robes i don't know what what yeah do they call them robes got the got them to hand in their robes um you know and and really just said look i'm not this is this is not who i am anymore and it was really cool to watch a dude like that speak to someone like joe rogan because joe rogan is able to sort of tease out those good answers and he asked him you know what do you do what is it that you do that gets them to convert and when you're watching it it's kind of an underwhelming answer and the reason why i say it's underwhelming is because he just does it through conversation that's it that like there's nothing else there's not like this um you know there's not a, a a potion or like a medicine that he gives them there's not this like crazy activist group or this crazy technique that he does he just he just gets to know them on a personal level so he sits down with them um and speaks to them and it starts off with conversations being awkward and tense and like you know these really racist people feeling uncomfortable around him and slowly over time he just shows them his best self has conversations with them gets to know them on a personal level to the point where he starts inviting them into their home into his home and having dinners with them they become family friends and all and he just completely changes their mind and it's like what an amazing answer but also what an underwhelming answer because it's like that's all he did is he would show them his best self show them that he's a good person have a conversation with them invite them into his home you know and it's amazing 200 over 200 people and like these aren't just like your everyday bigots and your these are members of the ku klux klan people part of white supremacy groups so this is like as far as racists go this is top shelf he's <laughs> he's at the top shelf level of racist that he's converting 200 or more and it's all done through conversation so hey i don't know these big systemic issues are way above my pay grade way above my head i'm not i have not the slightest clue but as far as a personal level be daryl davis that seems to be that seems to make the most sense to me it seems to make the most sense get to know people on a personal level show them your best self show them who you are and and extend to them the kind of kindness that they would never extend to you my mum always says kill them with kindness you know that's a funny story about my mother when i was young i used to get bullied by this kid when i was really young before my growth spurt um <laughs> but i used to get um bullied by this kid i went to banks avenue primary in christchurch in shirley um and this kid bullied me and bullied me and i didn't like him and mum forced me to invite him over to the house and invite him to my birthday party and this sticks with me to this day and it's so mum would force me to invite him over and then force me to do like little play dates with him so he would come over to my house and then i would go over to his house and i saw he had a really hard life this kid and he lived in like a not a very nice area not a very nice place you know and i i had a really good upbringing and i lived in a really nice house and really nice place and it was just it was just something you know that has had an impact on me forever and it's just killed them with kindness you know you can change the way people see you oh what an emotional podcast i can't i, I struggled telling stories like that about my mum because of just how much of a beautiful person she is and like that's 
you know, that's an example, and it's and it it relates to this Daryl Davis type of attitude that you have towards people who don't agree with you and people who um, may have hatred in their heart. You can't yell at them. You can't scream at them. You can't do that to get them to change. They're not going to change. They're going to start to you know despise you. You know, as much as I understand people rioting or whatever or people being fed up with something it's, you, know, you still have to show your best self and you have to kill people with kindness and show them the kind of person that you are and um, as a Pacific Islander unfortunately when things happen people you know people lump Pacific Islanders into one group you know it's like a couple bad eggs oh we're all bad eggs now we're all violent or now we're all this we're all that we're all you know, that's why we may not like it, but we have to, I really do believe in, you know, what the Obamas say, someone goes low, they go lower, you go higher. And unfortunately, that's what we got to do. You got to, you got to show your best self and show that you're not what these stereotypes say that you are. And then, you know, be Daryl Davis. I really like that. Check their podcast out. If you do have an opportunity um, the powerful, powerful Joe Rogan, Lord Lord Rogan, and Daryl Davis. It's um, worth checking it out. But look, people, that's all I have. It's um, wow. What I feel like that's been a heavy podcast for me. <laughs> Most of my other podcasts are just a, you know, it's been shit talking and it's been whatever. And this one, I've um, it's made me feel a tough way. Getting all worked up and, and all angry. But look, it's good to be back. It's good to be doing this. Um, I am sorry for the layoff. Um, and just please, people, be kind to each other, man. This is like a time where it's, 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 it's stressful, man. Let's make this as easy as possible. And I guess it's sad to say, and it's sad that it's a true thing, though, but sometimes after horrific things and tragedies occur, there's that sense of community that we all feel. You know, because we're all feeling a bit broken. We're all feeling <clears throat> sad by something that's happened. And sometimes after that, the only thing that makes sense is to respond with kindness and compassion. So, people, look after yourselves. Please stay safe during these times. Look out for one another. Be kind. And um, I look forward to doing this more often. I promise. I will make more of an effort to um to have these episodes coming out and uh yeah just reach out to someone today to tell them something nice you know um that's it from me look after yourselves peace